It's Monday, October 19th, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. Donald Trump told supporters at his Nevada COVID giveaway on Sunday that Joe Biden will listen to scientists if he wins. Wow, that might be the first true thing he said about Biden since the campaign started. Also during his farewell tour event, Trump claimed that Melania said that he was more handsome than JFK. Of course she meant after the head wound, but he forgot to mention that part. During his attempt to kill the elderly in Florida get-together, Trump told America's seniors that he will protect them and fight for them with every ounce of energy that he has, which doesn't seem like much if you've ever seen the video of him trying to walk down a ramp. Osama bin Laden's niece, Noor bin Laden, told Tucker Carlson on Friday how hard it is to be a Trump supporter, which is incredibly ironic considering how easy it's been for Trump supporters to accept the fact that bin Laden's niece is one of them. Canada has confirmed that it will continue to keep its border with America closed due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. So for anyone who was planning to move there if Trump is reelected, you better volunteer to phone bank for the Democrats. Medical experts are warning that this year's holidays will be the darkest time of the pandemic. Yeah, because otherwise the last seven months have been a real cakewalk. The New Yorker suspended reporter and law expert Jeffrey Tubin after he exposed himself during a Zoom meeting. To be fair, he may have been reaching for his legal briefs and got a little carried away. After a tight NLCS, the Los Angeles Dodgers are moving on to play the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series. And for the third time in four years, Angelinos could not be more excited to see how the boys in blue will find a new way to choke in four out of seven games. Bruce Willis is black is back as John McClane in the new Die Hard battery commercial, proving that the only thing that dies harder than those batteries is this franchise and Bruce's career. In an interview for his Netflix show, Kim Kardashian told David Letterman that she was warned that working with Donald Trump would ruin her reputation, but she refused to listen. Clearly, this means no one has ever told Kim what her actual reputation is. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily cast and crew roundtable. Stay safe. And welcome to another week of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Aiello, and as always, I'm joined by some of my TMI Hollywood family. Let's go around and say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or their streaming service of their choice. Let's start with you, Pete. I was really hoping today was Sunday when I woke up. Just saying. (laughs) Cam. Hi, I'm Cameron, and here's hoping the debate commission doesn't cut my mic. (laughs) Joe? Hi, everyone on Google Podcasts. I'd like to point out that the writer of that Dodger joke, their team's playing golf right now. Well, maybe. It's COVID. They, maybe they're not playing golf. Um, I hope they're okay. Emma? The writer of that joke knows that, uh, but still feels very comfortable with her team's 27 World Series championships. <laughs> and Chris, we haven't seen you in so long. We missed you. You're muted. See, he doesn't. He forgot how to do it. Hey, listen, it's been a while. <laughs> oh my gosh! Damn the big commission. Chris has totally forgot how to do this. He's got sleeves totally and everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get started. With 15 days to go until election day, Joe Biden has built a steady lead in the polls of between eight and 12 points nationally. And in many of the swing states that Trump won in 2016, including Florida, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Although the president is losing in almost every demographic group, there is one area that he is still ahead, and that is the support from white voters. Tonight, we thought we might go into why white voters are still Donald Trump's best hope for victory. Before we dive in, I want to make a quick point. Does anyone here on the panel know a white person that you are pretty certain is going to vote for Trump? Show of hands. Oh, well, every single one of us, for those of you listening. 
Now, do any of you know a person of color that is planning on voting for Trump? Two people, okay? Um, do you want to add anything to that, either one of you, or should we move on? Yeah, I mean, Go ahead, Chris. Uh, uh, well, you know what, though, honestly, um, you know, it's it's I, it's kind of weird that if, if this may make me sound like a little bit terrible, but, but like when I when I initially asked certain people why they would vote for Trump, like, and they would tell me the information, and it would kind of go one in and out the other because I was just like, this doesn't make sense, but like. For some reason, like when a few of my black friends kind of told me, I actually could listen to them and hear them out and like understand where they're coming from and why they think this way and everything like that. And uh, it's actually a really, like, I'm not saying I'm voting for them just before everybody freaks out. <laughs> like, before I was like, whoa, what's happening? Like, no, I just, I just, I, I can understand, I can see it from an outside look, view looking in of, of why they would feel like he is, uh, the right president. Now, as far as how they feel about him as a person, I don't understand how that's up for debate, but listen, mm-hmm. people see things the way they want to see them. And, and that's just kind of how it is. So you think, so you're saying that they can separate the person from the, you know, what he's going to do as president. If he's right. Really yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like how people still like R Kelly, even though we know he's a monster, you know what I mean? Like people still listen to his music. It's kind of, that's kind of how they see Trump. Like, they know Loki's yeah. not a good person, but they're still going to vote for him because of the things he does politically, not personally. R. Kelly had way more hits than, than Trump. This is true. But here's the thing, though. Donald Trump is on the come up. Have you seen his Twitter? His Twitter got a lot of fire tweets, okay? Well, like, no I'm matter sorry. what. His I'm Twitter, sorry. So Trump does a bump and grind, I'm not voting for him. <laughs> yeah, I think I like bump and grind better than lock her up. Hey, <laughs> he was dancing to YMCA last week, so I mean, get there. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, Trump and R. Kelly both both have a uh, have a fetish that they really like too. So <laughs> they have that in common as well. <laughs> so I did that to show just how important the white vote is to Donald Trump, and how important it is for Biden to peel off some of it in order to win in twelve weeks. I'm sorry, in two weeks. Did yeah, I just say God. Why are you oh, saying God? Weeks? Good God, no. Typo, sorry. Sorry about that. Two in weeks. 12 weeks two before weeks. we figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2016, Trump won all segments of white voters with and without a college degree, men and women and people under and over 45 years old. Cam, did you want to add something to this? Uh, well, I, I think, well, that in 2016 and then what he's seeing since then and just in the past four years, no matter what has happened, his overall approval rating just hasn't changed. It's always been somewhere around 42 to 44 percent. And I think the highest it got was at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And that was really just a general rally around the flag sort of approval. And then we kind of got to see what he was actually doing and not doing with that. Um, but what that, I think that really shows, especially among his base, which are as we're, as we're seeing pretty much these non-college educated voters, that he he may have a, a high bottom, but he still has an incredibly low ceiling because he may not be have fallen, but he's not getting any higher. And uh, I mean, he actually won, I think, that with less. He won with less votes than Mitt Romney lost with in 2012. Uh, and the key thing of that was a lot of the white voters that he didn't get and then Hillary didn't get are going to go for Biden this year. I, I, that's, I think we just have to look at that. Well, actually, um, along those lines, uh, Cameron's not wrong in the sense of, you know, um, he actually, he actually uh, won with less votes than, than, um, than, than Mitt Romney. But Mitt Romney actually got a higher percentage of white voters vote for him than yeah. Trump did. Uh, which is kind of shocking when you think about it, because uh, because Trump seems to be the ultimate white candidate. Uh, but at the same time, I guess maybe because Mitt Romney was running against a black man and there's still so much inherent racism that maybe that, that had something to do with it. But uh, also, too, both in 2012 and now as we're seeing it years later, there's not going to be that third party draw that will be experienced in 2016, um, as well as. I think also the, the greatest worry for both sides and maybe what the Republicans are hoping for more is also just fatigue and people staying home and, and not voting. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm hearing. So I think Mayor Pete was, 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 cause he's been a big campaign surrogate for Biden. And he's been saying that's, that's my greatest concern more than whatever 
that that's the ultimate suppression is just not necessarily getting discounting people's votes, but just discouraging people from voting at all with all this fatigue and making them think that it doesn't matter, which I think has happened. That occurs the most, I think, in uh, communities of color who've always felt disenfranchised and think that their vote's not going to matter anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as I, I, I do know, I grew up in Doylestown, Ohio. So I was going to say, yeah, I still have plenty of people back there who are voting for Trump. And there's some people of color as well. And I think it always comes down to, especially for voting Republican, is single issue voters. For 40 years, Republicans have been getting people to vote against their best interests because of Roe v. Wade. They've been chasing that particular car for 40 years. I don't think they even know what to do if they did get it overturned. Um, and that whole mess of worms that would happen. But, you know, there are some people who still think that Trump's has a tough foreign policy, even though he doesn't. And and that's what gets them voting. So when we think about why Trump did so well with white voters in the general um, election, the last election, it turns out that what the white vote has been reliably Republican for over 50 years with Jimmy Carter in 1976 and Bill Clinton in 1996 being the only times in the last 50 years that Democrats came within a point of getting 50% of the white vote. Can anyone explain why that is, Pete? Well, I mean, if you look at statistics, and, and, I, and I did a lot of this this morning when we started looking at doing this, um, Democrats haven't gotten white voters in over 50 years. Um, and it's actually kind of a strange reason why. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Democrats really were essentially what the Republicans are today uh, before Richard Nixon. Um, it, they were, it was most, it was a lot of Southerners. Um, it was a lot of, uh, race enabled, um, um, people involved in the Democratic Party. Um, and what happened was for the prior to, um, prior to, I guess, Nixon coming, um, coming uh, forward in 68, I guess it would be, um, the, the Democrats were not doing well with, with white voters because um, there was number one, more, more people voting, um, in the big parts of the country. Again, the New York's, California's. It's shiny, um, it's low lit. Please just put it back. What? I don't know what just happened. <laughs> but, um, was on camera let's just ignore Cameron for a minute. Okay. But, uh, Sorry, I, somebody was trying to help me have better lighting and I didn't ask, but, but it's fine. Oh God. Okay. So, so basically, um, you know, what was happening was, um, prior, prior to, uh, prior to 1968, um, a lot of the vote was, go- was, was going to the, um, to the Republicans for a lot of different reasons. But, but one of the reasons why it started to turn was, was, um, around the time that Lyndon Johnson became president because um, he was involved in the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, he was involved in the in the women's rights movement. Um, um, and again, white people, sadly to say this, are are inherently racist in a lot of ways. I'm not I'm not saying that we all are, obviously, um, but but it was it was more pronounced, I guess, you know, than even it is today. Although it's still pretty pronounced. It today. goes back even further than that, though. Yeah. I mean, you go to the Dixiecrats that tried to break off their own party back when Harry Truman was running because they didn't yeah. like that Harry Truman was trying to 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 you know uh, give people equal rights and all that. So, uh, but you know, it goes that, that, a lot of that was nipped yes. in the bud. Then with Johnson in '65, with like I tried people Republicans say, you know, your party began with racism. Well, that changed. Just you're no longer the party of Lincoln either. Yeah. But also, if you look at those two candidates, if you look at Clinton and Carter, they're also from the South as well. And in any other year, you, the uh, the Democrat, and many times Republicans as well, they're picking a running mate from the South because they're also trying to get that Southern voter draw, which can be predominantly white as well. Yeah, so but it hasn't it's often about well balancing the ticket <laughs> for a long time for the so, Democrats. In fact, in fact, Clinton, in fact, Clinton doubled up on that because he also had Gore from Tennessee. Yeah, and it still didn't happen. When, I mean, the Democrats have not won the the uh, the white vote since I think, um, and I might be wrong on this, but I think it might have been FDR, um, or it might have been um, it might have been um, Eisenhower. Um, those are the only two I because I could not. No, I'm sorry. No, that was Eisenhower was a Republican. Sorry. So it would. Um, so yeah, probably the FDR. Um, mm-hmm. 
that we're talking about. But but, uh, but does that matter though at this point? Because white white people are getting uh, the population of white people is getting smaller. Yeah, but that's true. But white people ain't getting disenfranchised. I mean, that's why you're seeing so much poll. voter suppression now. Yeah, yeah but, I think. But again, still seven and ten voters are are white people. So you have to. You have to not. You don't have to win the white vote, but you have to pick off enough white people in order to try and get to the white vote um, to pair it down. Um, right now that Joe said that, I just thought of something that I want to just throw out there before I forget. NPR has a very good article that came out today uh, as to why minorities are having to wait in these long lines to vote. Very good article. Check it out if you get a chance. So if you, or, I mean, or, you want to talk about voter suppression, you want to, I mean, it's really good. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Joe? No, you can talk about how last night someone tried to burn all the ballots in a box in, in, in Baldwin Hills, Park, which is, right? a, which is a, a largely Latino community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. We won't even start about Texas. We've talked about Texas already. Yeah. So. So do you think that Trump's white voters are the same voters that, are, that would have supported any previous Republican candidate? Or are yes. we talking about a whole new group of people? What do you guys uh, are we talking about, about 2016 Trump voters or 2020 Trump voters? I think they're Let's talk the about the ones thing, now. Okay. okay. I, I no, mean, because I, some people have changed their minds from 2016 to now. Right. Let's talk about the ones that are going to be voting in two weeks or have already voted for this election. I don't think so. We, I don't think so because I mean, personally, I mean, I, I, I probably paid more attention to politics this year than I ever had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But even thinking back and, and going through some of the things that I did notice, like I've never seen. It's like I mean, low key. It's like the people that are voting for Trump is like a cult because like I've never seen anybody like go so hard for a presidential candidate ever. Like even like I remember when because I, I you know I was in high school when 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 Bush was elected and, and I don't remember Republicans being like this so gung ho about Bush. Like they were ready to vote for him and I remember people talking about it and stuff like that. But it was never on the scale that we see now. And I think even uh it's a difference between 2020 voters and 2016 voters because like yeah they were going pretty hard for them but most of that going hard was from kind of like a pushback from the left side and kind of how like they felt a little bit antagonized but i i, I think like this 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 year 2020 is like a whole new level of like support for just him and 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 it's like different than anything i've ever seen personally emma and then i'll go to you pete go ahead emma uh i disagree a little bit um I think that he has something unique in the cult of personality around him, like why people love him so much that they will follow him anywhere. But we did see extremism from the Republican Party for a long time before this. We had the uh, the Tea Party. And, and oh, I can hear myself. That's weird. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, we had Sarah Palin uh, as John McCain's running mate. Um, there have been extreme uh, candidates on the right side of American politics for a while. Um, and I think that they would have gotten the same kind of, like the same people who support Trump now would be the people who supported them then. Uh, Trump is obviously an extreme version of that, but like there's been something before this. It didn't like come out of nowhere, you know? Frequence politics um, at, at its worst. That's the thing Like Trump has always, his, his key draw has been, he lets people be the worst versions of themselves openly and proudly, um, which they've always wanted to be. And it's, it's, it has happened on both sides of the aisle as well. I mean, Linda Johnson famously said, I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but essentially, you know, you, you can, you make the poorest white man feel better than, than somebody else. He'll give you the money out of his pocket. And that's played it on both sides of the aisle of just making people feel better than somebody else or feel like somebody else to screw them over to somebody else to blame for their lot in life. And, uh, and they'll get, they'll get your vote. Pete, what were you going to say? So what I was going to say is that what Emma just said was both right and wrong. Um, in a sense, she was 100% right that, the, that this came from, from other things prior. And, and, and probably from what most people are saying is that uh, Sarah Palin would actually be probably the trigger point where this whole thing started. Because you're, you're talking about engaging groups of people that were not traditionally big time voters prior to, um, to the 2008 election. And what they did was they energized this, this base of lower educated white women that had not voted a lot prior that would or would vote whatever their husbands were, were telling them to vote for. 
And then when Obama won, um, then you got then you got the advent of the Tea Party, which is directly to cause for or what 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 came about with Trump. And 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 the thing is, where she's wrong in a sense is that the way you know that 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 these are not real Republicans or they're not Republicans in the traditional sense is is the amount of traditional Republicans who are against Trump. Now, most of them aren't against Trump because they don't want to win. They're against Trump because most of them can't make a living if Trump is the president, meaning that they can't be running it for office because they can't go on regular Republican um, uh, strategies or on the traditional way that Republicans would win. I mean, Republicans are supposed to be fiscally conservative. And, right. to, and, and over the weekend, we found out that the, um, that the, the debt tr- had doubled, um, you know, basically uh, to $3.1 trillion um, in, just in the last, in, in the last year. Um, so you cannot run as a Republican in the, in the traditional sense, but even more so when you look at the guys like the Lincoln Project and, and, you know, it's like the old saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But the reality of it is the, the Steve Schmidt of the world, Steve Schmidt, who ran John McCain's camp- campaign and thought that Sarah Palin was a great option. Yeah. Um, you and know, Navarro. And Navarro, Stuart Stevens, who, who was, who was one of Bush's people. Like you're talking about people that that created the climate that 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 brought the grievances forward the way the camera was saying that helped Trump get into get into office. But what happened was once he got into office, all of a sudden you can't be a Republican strategist any longer because there's no such thing as strategy for Republicans. It's either you hang on to Trump and you grab on for everything for everything it's worth to whatever he says or you don't get elected. And, and that's and so these guys all out of out of sheer desperation for their own careers realized, hey, we can make a ton of money by being anti-Trump for the next for the next year, meaning from 2019 to now, which they have. They've made they've made a shit ton of money. And, and all of them. And listen, I love their their videos. I think I think that they're the best the best campaign ads out there. But the Lincoln Project guys don't get any any, any shouldn't nobody should get any idea that they're not going to go right back to what they were doing after, after this is over because they've made a lot of money being anti-Trump. But once Trump is no longer Trump anymore, these are going to be the same people that are going to start trying to push forward conservative Republicans. Now, maybe they won't be pushing forward the kind that, 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 that embrace Trump, but that's, that's who the real Republicans are. And the people that are, are, are Trump supporters became, became Republicans by osmosis in a sense. Before I go to you, Emma, really quick, speaking of the people from the Lincoln Project, I want to plug another thing um, for them is uh, if you saw the 60 Minutes interview with them, I don't know if you had a chance to watch that. Again, fascinating um, to learn why these guys are doing what they're doing now. And they are like hardcore Republicans in a sense, but they're still doing what they can not to get Trump reelected. So check that piece out as well if you haven't. Um, Emma. I. I could be wrong about what I'm about to say because I do not remember the exact wording of the question that got us onto this discussion. Uh, but my understanding is the qu- the question was, are Trump supporters Republicans? And I'm not saying that all Republicans support Trump, especially not right now. But I think that the people who are supporting Trump live under the Republican umbrella and have been uh, embraced by the Republican umbrella in the past. Like they've all come from that side. Uh, they're not like non-voters who came out of nowhere to give Trump a victory. Like they've been there, Uh, which is not to say all Republicans are Trumpers, but all Trumpers are Republicans. The Venn diagram circle is small. I can only do it with one hand, but anyway. Um, Cam? Yeah, but essentially, I guess these people, they're not going to change their mind. And we've we've seen the evolution, as, as Peter's pointing out, and the tea, Trump really is that happy marriage of of just the crazy nuts who, who just want to be awful people and corporate sponsorship. Because that's that's what the Tea Party really was. They claimed to be about um, stopping deficit spending and fiscal conservancy. But it was really just a rejection of Obama. And 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 that's what it was, because all their events, they were corporate sponsored, AstroTurf events, everything, pretty much every single Tea Party candidate. You look at the paper trails, go back to the Koch brothers. That's all it was. It was to get. uh you, whether it was Supreme Court cases, uh, you know, we look at now. We, I'm I'm crossing things, but th- today, 2020, whether Trump and the loses in the Senate, they ultimately got what they wanted, which is that conservative court and Citizens United and every other precedent. But it, it's all been bullshit, and they've just played on grievance politics to get this far. Pete, 
See, I think that like another another telltale sign about who these people really are is that what what you're probably starting to, to see more than anything right now is that the people that are that work staunchly Republican, staunchly conservative, that are no no longer in that category either for this term or for maybe long term, it's not because they stopped believing in Republican um, ideology. It's because Republican ideology became Trump ideology. So whatever, so whatever Trump said uh, became the ideology of the party. And I, and I think that, you know, it's, it's like when I get up every morning, the first thing I see is what Trump did in the last 12 hours. And, and, then, and then you go a little further. It's what he did in the last 24 hours. And then what he did in the last hour since I started reading what he did in the last 24 hours. And there's just so much fatigue of listening to, to everything being about Trump. I, I mean, you know, when, when, we're, when we're trying to get this show together every, every day of the week, you cannot get through five days without Trump being the main topic of three or four of them. And in theory, he could be the main topic of all five if we wanted to keep going that direction. And, it, and it's like, and I think that there are a lot of people that are actual Republicans that, that say, you know what, I don't want to hear this anymore. I just, I don't want to be involved in, in, in listening to what he does, even if it doesn't physically hurt me in some way. And maybe some of the policies help me. There, there's got to be a time when people stop wanting to hear every moment of the president's day. I mean, maybe it'd be good to have a boring president finally. And, and I think that's, that's what's hurting him in a sense because the, the bombast isn't the same thing as it was four years ago because four years ago, all the networks saw it and went, Oh my God, look at the ratings we're getting every time we see, you know, we see him on screen. And now what's happening is that's all they talk about 24 hours a day. And even they are realizing at some point it's, it's like, you eating candy all day and night until you get to a point where you just start vomiting. And I think the news media is vomiting up Trump finally. You know, and I think that's what's happening with real Republicans too. But can we also say though, I mean, if you want to talk about Republican ideology, you cannot equate that with Trump because Trump is not a Republican. Trump is not a Democrat. Trump is a showman and the country and the country's a stage. I mean, so I think like real hardcore Republicans can actually see that, you know, who he really is. He's not a politician. He's not, like I said, he's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's he's just, he's a clown. He's a showman. And that's what he is. So if you want to go based on Republican ideology, I don't think they have anything in common with him. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, I mean, why don't we call it, you know, let's call it what it is. Um, Republicans bailed already. Paul Ryan said, Republicans are hiring. Just the ones who who have the or are the craven ones like McConnell exactly. are sticking around because it's about mm-hmm. power, not actual policy. Yeah, I mean, Am so I- so there are two things that I want to bring up. One is that we keep talking about real Republicans. If you are registered with the Republican Party, you are a real Republican. That's what it takes because that's what the Republican Party is. It's a party that you affiliate with by joining it as a, as a member. So there's a Republican Party, and then there is something that almost always goes hand in hand, but not right now, and that's conservative ideology. And I think that it's possible to be a conservative and not a Republican or a conservative and not a Trumper. Uh, but if you are a Republican and you are voting Republican all the way down the ticket, then you are voting for Trump. Uh, Trump and the Republican Party, as of right now, he is the head of the party. They are synonymous. Uh, the idea of a real Republican is just someone who's not going to vote for Trump this time. It, they are conservative. And Trump yeah, is I agree. Mm-hmm. But he is a real Republican. But That's- he is, because he's running under the Republican ticket. And, and you just hit the nail on the head when you talk about conservative, you know, be, people that are conservatives. He's been holding on to that. He's mm-hmm. been holding on to that. And that's how he's getting the conservative votes. Like, I know people that are voting for him. You know, specifically because, you know, he's the conservative president, because he wants to bring religion back. I mean, that's the only reason they're voting for him. Who And he's like the farthest thing from being religious. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. amazing. Okay, I'm going to take uh, Joe and then I want to move on to women. I want to talk about women. Go ahead, uh, Joe. The, the thing I notice about at least all the Trump supporters that I see on my feed and things like that and all, uh, the, the prevailing thing seems to be that I, I feel like they're scared of a uh, of change. Like I think they liked everything the old way, and and that's that seems to be like they're scared of it. Like anything we talk about, like like the one of the you talk about the Green New Deal, like that's a bad thing. You talk about all of these different things, like they're a bad thing because they want to go back to, you know, I'm 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 
I'm the white guy and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I make the bread and I come home. And so that kind of thing, that's what it seems to be like a lot of, and, and like, they don't know. I know Chris is laughing, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, and, and they see the world changing and the world's not going to stop changing, but they're trying desperately to hold on to that old, that old garden. It's not there. I mean, I, I talked about this, how a sociologist that I, that I love those two said change happens over a long period of time. And early on, there was a lot of, uh, people that want to change and weren't getting or screaming about it, but that change takes over a long time. Now we're close to the end where that change is really coming through. And I think a lot of people are are scared of, you know, the ones that didn't want it to change are now really scared that, oh my gosh, now everything's changing to my face. And that seems to be because Trump feeds on that. And he, that's oh, yeah. why he's screaming about it all day. And I think that that's like, I really think that that's your core more than anything else. It's the people that don't want to see things change. They want to see things go back to the way they were, whether it was 20 years ago, 40 years ago, or, or God darn it, 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. Real, so real quick, when, Monica, you brought oh, up yeah. religion. And I just want to start real quick because whether it's not even just now Trump, but it was with the Tea Party and really for 20, 30 years, these people on the right screaming about religious liberty do not have a fundamental understanding of our constitution. The first amendment guarantees you five freedoms, one of which is the freedom of religion, meaning the government shall not infringe on your right to practice your religion. It does not give you the right to infringe on the civil rights of any other citizen because of your twisted interpretation of the book of ghost stories. It's okay that the Supreme court nominee doesn't know those five freedoms either. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but so essentially like, so if you don't want to be in, in the, the cake business and not sell the gate, well, first of all, don't be a cake maker. If you want to have gay clientele, that's, that was your problem right there. But uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I know I said, I wanted to talk about women, but um, we actually have a comment online and I'm wondering if any of you have anything you want to say to this person. Um, he says, his name is Mark. Thank you, Mark, for listening and tuning in. Um, He says, even if some Republicans are tired of Trump, they will still vote for him because Biden doesn't bring anything to the table. Um, Is Biden going to bring anything to the table or not? Anybody want to answer that? Healthcare. Well, no, not even that. See, I think I think that they don't policy wise. No, he's not going to do anything that's going to make that's going to make Republicans happy because he clearly is a Democrat. I mean, he's he's a more moderate Democrat than what than what you could have ended up with if anybody else had won or not anybody, but if a lot of other people had won. But what what he brings to the table is is normalcy again, because there's nothing normal about every day of the week in the Trump presidency. It's it's just chaos. And, it, and sometimes it's chaos that, that doesn't even need to be chaos. Sometimes it's chaos for the sake of being chaos. I, I mean, if you look at the, the funniest thing that, about this whole week already is that is that yesterday, they put out a tweet, clearly, clearly Trump didn't write the tweet, that this was going to be um, Character Matters Week. Um, <laughs> and that we were we were going to we, we were going to um, celebrate the fact that that um, that, you know, people should love and respect one another. And then in the course of the next 24 hours, Trump called uh, called Anthony Fauci an idiot. Um, and I, I mean, he went after Biden multiple times, went after Hunter Biden multiple times, went after Ben Sass multiple, another Republican uh, multiple times. I, I mean, he 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 attacks everybody and anything. And and you know what? If he if if he wanted to win a second term, he wouldn't do any of these things. I, I mean, I, know I think he wants to lose. I yeah, really I, well, see. The thing is, I don't know if do. he wants to lose or if it's just not in him to do the things that one person would need to do in order to not be so volatile at all times. And and you know, I haven't even said what he would do with four more years. But, but that's the thing, yeah. Because I mean, what do you do for a sequel at this point? I, I mean, to me, the only reason why he stays in office at this point is to avoid litigation that's coming forward towards him in the next four years. I, I mean, look, he's got money that's owed out to people that they're saying now it could be $900 million that he owes out to out to various organizations and we still don't know who they are. Not Russia. The Not Russia. Years, what? Not Russia. Not no, Russia. But, but the point is, there, there's it's that. Russia. There's 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 the, the two New York probes that that are more than likely going to hand down indictments after the election at some point against people in his family, people in his organization, potentially even him. So so maybe that's the only reason why he wants to do this. But you know what? A rational person would have been listening to somebody who said, you know what? Maybe for a few weeks, pretend that the, the virus is important. Maybe for a few weeks, wear a mask when you're out in public. Do the kind of things that you know what you could stop doing the day after you get reelected. But he can't do that. And I think that's why some Republicans may hold their nose and vote for Biden, because 
we're just in a better world with somebody more normal running our country than having somebody that's a flamethrower at all times. And you know what? And why it's also going to bring empathy. And I think that's what we're lacking. You know, I mean, you want to talk about policy? He's not going to bring anything. Okay. But empathy. I saw a clip today. I don't know from which rally it was, if it was today or yesterday. And, you know, I've said this to Peter and I've said it to a couple of you in the past. And I'll say it again. You can blame Trump for a lot of things. Forget the taxes. Forget the bullying. Forget the name calling. Forget all of that. But the way he has handled the coronavirus is shameful. The way he has mocked people for wearing masks, what he said yesterday or today, when he uh, he said something, and I mean, don't quote me, but he said something along the lines of, oh, all they ever talk about is coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. Yeah, no shit. Because people are dying from it. You know, when he comes out and says, oh, look at me, I beat it. If that's a slap in the face to the people who have lost loved ones because of this. Because guess what? They didn't have 13 doctors with it, you know, the, the way he did. He, they didn't have access to the drugs that he had. So to me, that's the worst thing he's, he's done just as a human being. And that's what, and so Biden will not be that person. And, that, and I'm okay with that because I'm sick of Trump. Um, go ahead, uh, Emma. Sorry. <laughs> no, you get upset, but it always happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you also, Mark, for listening and for tuning in. I, I think the other thing that will make Republicans interested in Biden is that not only does he know the policy to an extent, not only just the policy, but also the way the government works to an extent that Trump doesn't. He's not going to be signing blind executive orders just to make something happen. But Biden also brings a willingness to negotiate to the table, uh, which you don't get with Trump. Right now, we've got such a deadlock throughout pretty much our entire government because everyone is so focused on getting exactly their way and they're not willing to negotiate and nothing happens for anybody um as unless they've got the majority and the mitch mcconnell can get everybody to vote along party lines but that doesn't seem likely to continue uh past this election day i hope i'm a democrat but you know knocking on wood uh but with biden you get a little bit more of a willingness to negotiate and a willingness to reach across the aisle uh not for everybody not all the time but you've got more of a hope of getting bipartisan things to go through uh, than you ever do with Trump. Mm-hmm. Okay. So white women have actually been the only white voters to have given a majority vote to a Democratic candidate. That happened twice with JFK in 1960 and Bill Clinton in 1996. This year, it looks like white women may be edging towards giving Biden their majority vote. What do you think was the first sign that a Democratic candidate, no matter who it was, would do well in the 2020 election. Pete. I think you, you look right back to the, to the day Trump, the day after Trump took office, the, the women's march. It, it almost felt like, I think a lot of people went, went through the election just assuming that Hillary Clinton was going to win four years ago, uh, you know, and just being, being really like just blown out of the water when she didn't. You know, and, and so I think that when, when he took office on, on January 20th, um, I think there was a realization that this, that, that, that this has to change somehow or another, at least from, from a, a lot of people that were not supporting um, Trump. And so I think the Women's March, right, right from the start, said this is what's going to happen. And if you look, a lot of the same people that, are, that were behind the Women's March are a lot of the same people that were behind getting the vote out for, um, you know, to, to suburban women um, in 2018, which clearly um, pushed, pushed um, Democratic candidates across the, the board um, to victories um, in, in the midterms. Uh, but it's also the same kind of people that are, that are generating more votes um, for Democrats now, especially Biden at the top of the ticket, you know, and it's and it's all starting with the suburban w- uh, white women, um, and and who are, who are those women? Those are the same women who are walking around wearing those pussy hats, and and um, and and went out to march uh, the day after he got uh, into office. But you don't think Trump is scaring them by saying that you know Democrats are going to take over their cities and their no, because it's not 1950 anymore. I, I think that I think that the problem that Trump Trump is continually having is that in 2016 he he ran the table with with a tightrope can, um, candidacy. He 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 was able to stay on that tightrope on a message that got to just enough people in 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 the in all the right places, and then. 
also had a flawed candidate who was saying some bad things like the deplorables comments, regardless of whether it was true or not, not or, and saying the stuff about um, putting coal miners out of business and things like that, you know, with Hillary Clinton. And, and I think in 2020, he's making the exact opposite the decisions. He's thinking that I'll just keep using the same playbook I used four years ago. I mean, I mean just as a perfect example, yesterday, um, J- Jason Miller, who is who is one of his spokespersons, um, and also a guy that's being uh, that's being sued for child support because in the 2016 election he had to leave um, leave the campaign because he knocked somebody up who wasn't his wife, um, and and it came out. But now he's back. So Jason Miller was talking on Fox News, um, and they asked him, "Well, what is the president's plan for for the uh, for, for the upcoming debate?" And what he basically said was, "Trump wants to make sure that everybody knows what's going on with Hunter Biden." And now he already tried that three weeks ago in the first debate. And not only did, did he have such a horrible night, according to, according to anybody that watched it, but also according to the polls, but he had an even worse night with women because the one thing you do, if you want to get, you know, like suburban housewives to vote for you, the one thing you don't want to do is attack somebody's child and say, that's the reason why you shouldn't vote for them. You know, and, but he doesn't want to hear that. He's still going to go after it. Hunter Biden is going to be all over the next debate and it's going to do the same thing. And that's why Trump cannot count on these women, because he doesn't understand why they don't like him. That's why he keeps asking it now. Joe, and then I'll go to Cam. Go ahead, Joe. I think a lot of it also, I mean, you saw the the, the march and things like that. But a lot of it also is that, um, you know, well, first of all, the way that he speaks about women, about women in, in powerful positions. I mean, he's constantly been like, uh, you know, uh, uh, degrading him and whatnot. But I think another thing, too, um, when the party started hitting Planned Parenthood because of the abortion thing, I think that that was a lot, too, because Planned Parenthood just doesn't do that. There's a lot of services and especially women's health services that they take care of. And uh, now they're getting the five percent abortion. Right, well, what? Less than five percent is abortion. Yeah, I know they do all sorts of things, and and and, that, and it just seems like a lot of things that they're doing is just really kind of bringing the women's movement backwards, and and they see that, you know, and and I think that that's a big a big thing that hurts them too, and uh, and I also have to agree with Pete when you say don't disparage someone's kid because let's face it, if most white people were were being judged on what their kids did, man, <laughs> they'd be in deep. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was a big thing. I, I mean, I, I, I don't judge you guys. I don't judge you guys on what your dogs do. So <laughs> thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Cam, and then we'll move on. Go yeah. ahead. Cam. I mean, well, two things. What directly what, what Pete was saying, especially in that moment in the first debate, not only did, did Trump just to me look bad, bringing up it, something that he, somebody he tried to make a boogeyman during his own impeachment and that didn't fly. But also Biden, he didn't get defensive. He didn't deflect. He owned it. And that there, there he really demonstrated his empathy when he said, yeah, he had a problem. He worked on it. I'm proud of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've been in recovery now for several years. I, my relationship is better than ever with my parents. And wh- whether you have someone in your life or not who has struggled with that, that hits hard. But going back to your question um, about, I think also in that in 2016, one of the largest, if not the largest group of who uh, voters who went third party or didn't vote at all. Um, I know quite a few who said, I just couldn't bring myself to vote for that woman uh, were white women, uh, especially in those key states like Michigan and Wisconsin. And if they had known the day after that they were waking up to President-elect Trump, they would have pulled that lever for Hillary. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they, for four years, they've been determined to pull the lever for whomever is not Trump to make yeah. sure that, that it ends. So yeah, as Peter was saying, the day after. So since you brought up, you know, white women still, and we're still talking about white women, um, according to research, another factor that may drive more white women to vote for Biden is the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. Why might confirming Barrett to the Supreme Court hurt Trump and other Republicans with white women voters? I mean, we kind of know this, but what do you guys have to say? That's that's the last card that Trump would have to play to, to say, hey, elect me. Um, so we can get this Supreme Court seat. If it happens before the election, then conservatives can justify. Say, look, we got everything we needed. Even McConnell can say, look, we got all our justices. We got all our judges, hundreds of talk about court packing. I mean, what they've done in the federal courts already. Uh, but, yeah, it, they, they, they don't need Trump at all for anything if they, if they do it before the election. Okay, Pete. 
Well, I mean, Cameron's right in a sense that that as far as overall um, re- with Republicans, if, if they confirm her before the election, which they're going to do at this point, um, it's probably going to depress some of the Republican vote but for the simple reason that what, what else do we need? <clears throat> Six to three majority would, would stand to, to reason, would, would have power for a long time as long as Democrats don't change the, the, the shape of the court. But when it comes to women, you know, I think the one thing that the Democrats got out of last week and, you know, and a lot of people criticized the way that they handled they handled the hearings. But the thing that they kept doing was they weren't attacking her because because, to be honest with you, it doesn't matter. They could they could have pictures of her sacrificing a baby on an altar. Um, she's getting she's getting put on the court. So instead of attacking, going after her, they just kept going after the policies that that potentially could be at risk because of her being on the court. And, and the biggest one over and over again was Roe versus Wade. And it's kind of disingenuous in a sense because there's almost no precedent to believe that they'll actually completely eliminate Roe versus Wade. But what they might do is they might start siding with southern states that want to make, um, make it so that a doctor has to have credentials at a hospital in order to be an abortion doctor, which just won't happen in most, in most parts of the South. Or they might just make it incrementally harder for states to, to allow abortions, um, you know, unless they're a state, a liberal blue state. Um, so they keep pushing that out there. And when you look at the numbers, over 70 percent of women want women to have the right to choose. And that goes across the board. That's not just white women or black women or Asian women or Christians versus Jewish women. You know, this is this is across the board in every in every race, every every ideology, every religion. And I think that 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 more than anything else is 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 the ticket to try and getting these women to not want to vote for Trump, because Amy Coney Barrett is is it's just a vessel for for the problem that they're that they're looking to use as the as as what's going to happen once she's on the court. Mm-hmm. Okay, Joe, and then I'll go to Emma. I was wondering, um, like I think that uh, Amy Coney Barrett was the poor choice out of the like he was down to two, and I was wondering, and I I, I want to open this to the panel real quick. I don't know you don't know too much. I know Pete knows a lot more about it, but if the other candidate, the candidate from Miami was picked. Do you think that we would be sitting here going things are a little bit different? Because I I think we would. I mean, I think Amy Coney Barrett was the wrong choice just because she seems a little out there in a way. No, she and was she was so, always I the mean, choice. If we were to, if he would have went with the other choice, do you think we'd be sitting here saying the same thing or do you think things would be different? No, the other judge she was always too much of a wild card. That was just to make it seem like this was a consideration for Trump. Amy Coney Barrett has always been in the pipeline from from the moment she was even right. picked. But what I'm saying is that television. if that other person was picked, I'm not saying that whether it was or not, if that other one was picked, would we be sitting here with things? Would things be different? Yeah, I don't think so, because it's the, the biggest issue for 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 everyone is the process itself, not necessarily the candidate, because let's say they you know, we had we got Garland. Um, under Obama, this hadn't happened, and this was only Trump's second uh, justice. Uh, for all um, intents and purposes, she's still an ideal candidate, conservative wise. And especially if you look at the other justices that are on there, like Bill Maher did excitement. Now, if she will be seven of nine justices who are stupidly Catholic, uh, and this is a theme in the Federalist Society, this is what they want. And she's now the least flawed one um, that doesn't carry any baggage at all. Uh, especially for Trump's picks. This is what they wanted all along. Okay. Emma, did you want to say something? Yeah. Um, and it actually kind of ties into what Joe asked, uh, which is, I listen, RBG was such a hero to so many of us. The extent to which she was able to fight for our rights, the things that I can do now, like have a bank account and a credit card and like have things in my name are very handy. Because I'm, especially in my house, I'm the one who like does most of the clerical stuff. It's great being able to do that on my own without my father or a boyfriend or a husband. Like, it's great. And women knew that about RBG. And with her gone, we all know what a token looks like. Uh, You know, we can all see that like, she's there, but she's still gonna, she's not gonna fight for us. She happens to have a vagina, but like, she's not going to do things for women. We all see the ultra christian group that she's part of which like do your own thing whatever but it concerns me that she's going to be part of you know the highest court of the land with those kinds of beliefs um it should if it was it legitimately should 
What? I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It literally should. That's not something that should have been ignored. It that she's not I mean, a normal. At this Catholic. point, like, why why actually attack religion if we're not going to get anything from it anyway, right? Um, but like, listen, if it were the other candidate instead, um, she's still conservative. You know, she's still being pushed through in a mockery of the process that RPG should have had upon her replacement. Um, would it have made a difference? Probably not. We would have had different talking points, maybe. But at the end of the day, it's so clearly not what should have happened. I think it also speaks to how much the Senate itself needs to be changed. And, and the whole the establishment that has enabled Trump thus far needs to be torn down because they've, they've completely given up any sort of idea of checks and balances, their own powers as senators. Even before there was an official nomination, Lindsey Graham said, we will push through the nominee, whoever that nominee may be. Meaning that they, did, they don't want to do any advise and consent, as the Constitution says. They didn't want to pretend that there was going to be some sort of show at all. They No, they were going to do whatever Trump wanted them to do. That they themselves as senators have no actual power and don't care to even pretend to. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that should upset question. every American on either side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Okay, last question. If Trump wins all the white demographics that he won in 2016, will he get reelected again? Yes or no? No. No? No. I, I mean, if if he... It, it would take him to win all those demographics and for the same amount of people not to come out and vote uh, on the um, on the Democratic side for Trump to win this time. I, I mean, and, and yes, that is a possibility. I mean, like Joe said earlier about them setting fire to a ballot box. You know, there is things out there that are, that are potentially... Um, going to happen that could cause there to be a, a, a kind of a shift. But at the same time, when, when you see again today, um, South Florida, where it was pouring rain and a line going around the block two different times for people to vote, you have to realize one thing. Republicans do not vote any time prior to Election Day, um, except maybe, you know, through through absentee ballot. So anybody on that line, you probably you probably go 75, 25 Democrat. Um, and and that alone tells you everything you need to see when you've seen it in Texas. You saw it. In, I mean, even Kentucky the other day. Um, there's just there's just such momentum. And I think, again, it started building the day after Trump took office. It got much bigger um, in, in 2018. I mean, look at the turnout on the Democratic side. If the Democratic, the Democratic side turns out the way it did in 2018, Trump doesn't have a chance to win. I mean, it's just that's that's simply it. Now, again, you could say, well, Trump Trump wasn't on the ballot in 2018. And maybe that's why Democrats did so well. But that's presupposing that 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 all the people that voted for Trump didn't care to vote in a midterm election, which is just not true. Um, So, no, the only way he wins at this point and, and, and I'm going to say this for the millionth time. The only way he wins at this point is if there is a catastrophe as far as as far as polling that makes 2016 seem like like it was perfect. Or two, if 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 they have figured out a way to completely nullify a big chunk of votes. And I'm talking about mil- two million, three million, four million votes. Yeah, you know, expression thinking- a long time ago. No, go ahead, Cam. I was going to say, my father, my father told me an expression a long time ago, Republicans will do anything to win an election except get more votes. Because I, I was thinking, like, you're going to fire Obama a, a voting box. Why in California? Like, California is a given. <laughs> like, well, I, this might have to do with that whole, that whole fight they're having over the, over the, um, the ballot boxes that, that, that um, the, the Republicans set up. Yeah. This, it just might be a reaction to the fight. Yeah, we are. I get, I get why the Republicans are trying to set up the ballot box thing because they're trying to, they're trying to, to invalidate the whole box situation. I get why they're doing that. But like, if you're a dude and you're mad, like, like, Go to another state where it's close. Like, don't like, like, don't drop one in a California box. Dude, it ain't going to make a difference. You know what well, I'm saying? I think it depends on the neighborhood. Chris, I mean, again, not to put you on the spot or anything, but if, <laughs> no, seriously, like if a ballot box in, in a, in a, a community of color uh, was set a fire like that, what do you think a response would be? Especially at this time in this and year. If, if, if this was like maybe 10 years ago, we're probably discouraged voters, but I think, <clears throat> I think people realize the weight that uh, that this vote voting like is is like so it wouldn't discourage. They would just figure out another way to, to get it done. 
you know, people just resort to some other way, some other fashion, some other way to right. get their votes across. Do you think it, it might, I mean, cause there, there have been theories out there. I don't know how solid they are that people on the right have been trying to provoke and incite further riots. Do you think that could actually be an attempt to try and get people out in the streets again to make it the, the, seem like cities are out of control? Yeah, I mean, it could, it could, but I don't think that it, I say could. I say I think it could be to try to get incite some kind of you know situation like that. But I think the only way you would have, like truly you know be able to really incite this is if like you were to go to you know a, a, a voting facility and start like literally physically assaulting people or something like that or like trying to kill them, and then you would probably have riots in the city because of I course we're gonna see that though. I mean, Trump is straight up. But just burning, just burning a ballot is not going to, you know, we just figured out something else. But if you went there and actually like incited violence, you know, the result would probably be what you're getting. Okay. Well, I just love seeing the lines of people that have been early voting. So that gives me a lot of hope and people have been standing in those lines um, in the rain. So let's continue to do this and everybody just go out and vote, vote. Okay, so it was revealed this weekend that Bruce Willis reprised his iconic role of John McClane from the Die Hard movie series for a commercial for Die Hard Batteries. So we wanted to ask two questions. The first one is, is it a bad idea to take a beloved movie or movie character and use them for commercial purposes? What are your thoughts on that? Let's start. I want to hear what Chris has to say. You're muted. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't think so because like low key that it's kind of reminiscent of the nineties. Cause I don't know if you remember, but back in like the nineties, maybe early two thousands, like, you know, big movies and stuff like that had a big push campaign. Like, you know, it would be advertised uh, from like electronics to fast food, like, you know, McDonald's would have the toys inspired by the movie and stuff like that. And even the stars of that movie, like, would do specific commercials to get advertisement for the uh, for the movie. So they would do like you know a McDonald's commercial, Burger King commercial, or like Radio Shack when Radio Shack was a thing. RIP. Uh, but so I don't think that like I, I feel like here's the thing. The only reason why low key it is kind of bad in this case is because it depends on the trajectory of the person's career. And unfortunately for Bruce Willis, it's kind of been like up and down but mostly down in the last like five years so that's kind of why it's a bad look right now if this was you know die hard to bruce willis everybody be cool with it but this is like after that fourth movie he did with jai courtney that was just god-awful garbage so kind of hard now joe i'm sure you have something to say about this <laughs> I, I, a few things first of all like like well like chris said like like bruce willis a lot of the movies he's been doing lately have been like straight to video on demand kind of movies. They haven't really been, you know, big things up there. Um, my big thing actually is uh, the company that he's, that he's uh, shilling for uh, Die Hard batteries, which used to be, I mean, it used to be like, like my dad swore by him. I mean, probably everyone's dad here swore by him at one point or another. They sold them over at Sears over by the Craftsman Isle and over in the Auto Center and all that, and they were good batteries. The thing was, was I don't know if people know that they were in a scandal in the early 2000s where uh, at the time they were being made by Exide Batteries, and Exide would take used batteries, rebrand them as diehard, and sell them in Sears as new batteries. And they got into a ton of trouble with that. And now, so now they're being made by Advanced Auto Parts is the one making the batteries now. And you only can buy them through Sears and Kmart. When's the last time you've been in a Sears or a Kmart, for God's sakes? I mean, um, I don't know if they're still big out of the Midwest, but I think most of them have kind of disappeared. Uh, so it's just like, if he was doing something that was like more, like a, like a bigger national product, I might be behind it. But he's going behind a product that's pretty much pretty much dead in the water. I mean, when, when Sears and Kmart dies, so does diehard batteries. It's just a brand. And that's the thing that gets me more than anything else, because I love the first diehard movie, like more like anything. It's my favorite Christmas movie. And uh, we're not getting into that again, Joe. Oh, that's going to be wait till December when we have the whole episode on it, whether that's a Christmas movie or not. Cause I got notes. I got notes for days. (laughs) It is a Christmas movie. We're not a Christmas movie. 
We're not having that conversation today. <laughs> it looks like a majority of the panel already says that it is. So like, yeah. no, no, I will play Dylan. Peter, Peter and Cameron can, can Peter and Cameron can can die on that hill because we're just going to. No, take no, it no. I, I, I'll, I'll argue out pretty much either side of any debate. I can comfortably play devil's advocate with Joe on this simply because of its summer release. Okay, so um, <laughs> the that really takes uh, place. Miracle in on Thirty Fourth not- Street. Miracle on 34th Street. Is that a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Because that came out in April. Mm, right. <laughs> I also want to April, point out that Cam arguing the devil's advocate. Means oh, so, so if it came out in side. spring, it would be fine. Yeah, okay, Cam. Okay, Cam. You know what? I want to say this, <laughs> anything, though. it's an Easter I, I, movie, Joe. Yeah, it's not. Uh, <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street. Because that's when miracles happen at Easter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you were one of the People seven of the nine justices on the court, you understand when miracles happen. Don't even get me started on that not stuff because I'm not even going to entertain that conversation. But no, I, we're going to have a whole episode for that. Also, for, for the Peter, record, though, Peter, Peter before, before, mark that down. We're going to have an episode in December. I already wrote it down. We're not going to do it. I'm just going to just put this part of the video on in December. That we have shows. It's fine because it is a Christmas movie. All day long, it's a Christmas movie. That's summer release. Okay, can we move on? I do have this though. I do have this to say. What my question is: What took Die Hard Battery so long to get this campaign going? Die Hard's been out for a long time. Where <laughs> I, I've never heard of Die Hard Battery ever. Mm-hmm. This is my first time hearing about Die Hard Battery. Oh, yeah. Really? It took them Thirty years to no, figure it out. Right. You know, yeah, no, yeah, that, that was your that was the go-to car battery. Hey, come on. Well, maybe happened? they had to wait till Bruce Willis's career was literally at the at its lowest point. But he was hey, for the record. For the record, though, you're knocking his his, his direct stream. That guy he makes a minimum million dollars per one. Works two days, never with a call time before noon, hey. just so they can put him on the poster and say that he's starring in, in whatever direct it is. But come hey, on, Chris that's is right because they could have got him back with like Bonfire of the Vanities kind of thing. So I mean, they could have got him back then. I also want to point out that. That doing a commercial does not necessarily mean that a celebrity is down on their luck. Right. Uh, Matthew McConaughey did those Lincoln commercials when he was doing like okay. Yeah, well, to be to because. be fair, Matthew McConaughey did that because he really does like Lincoln. Actually, that's so true. Japan. I believe that. Well, he still, he still drives a Lincoln. Well, that's a good that's the reason he did it. <laughs> he could get free Lincolns because he really does like Lincolns. But that's what George Clooney really does love Nespresso. Bruce oh, and Cameron, 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 It's a Wonderful Life came out in January. So. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> Best Christmas movie ever. Okay, now, also, if we are not going to get into this tonight. I'm not arguing about Die Hard. I don't care okay. if it's a Christmas movie or now, not. Now, you want to go on, 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 an hour, on the actual that, timeline based on actually the, what the stars would have looked like realistically uh, 2,000 years ago. The Christ, if he actually existed, would have been born actually closer to April. It's been shown. Okay. Man, when we hit December, we're going to do a bracket about best Christmas it, it movie, and Die Hard is going to win out of sheer spite. I'm gonna, hey, Emma, we should do a bracket. Yeah, uh, Cameron, we're going to do a bracket. Cameron, it wasn't April. It was and Die Hard will win out of spite. The Christmas season extends until Three Kings Day in January. Yeah, but it came out after that. We're totally off the subject. Okay, final question. Before we shut this down, I'm just going to just affirm that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. The building at Nagatomi Plaza was based off of every year decorated in Christmas lights during the time of Die Hard. So even when they were celebrating the release and during Christmas time, they decorated in Christmas lights and shit like that. So it is a Christmas movie. There's no more debating about it. Okay, so with that being said, I'm going to ask my final question. So since Bruce Willis just did a commercial for Die Hard Batteries, the batteries I had never heard of, what other movies or movie characters could you see being a natural tie-in with a product or company? Pete, let's start with you. I think that that what would be really huge is Harry Pottery Barn. Oh! (laughs) He's... He's a wizard, but he likes really affordable, comfortable furniture. There's nothing affordable in Pottery Barn. I'm going to make you magically comfortable in Harry Pottery Barn. I'm just picturing Alan Rickman in Galaxy Quest. Like, (laughs) Rabthar's Hammer, what a savings. 
No, well, what we magical was if Harry brought the prices down magically at no. Lost Card because there's nothing affordable there. Okay, well, maybe around the holidays, <laughs> you know, when, when Die Hard is on. Let's go sort of obscure here. There's a Star Wars character that I'm really, really shocked they have not used yet in a commercial because that Star Wars character's name is a mana man. And he could just be selling a mana, a mana uh, appliances all day long. And I don't know why they never, ever used them. But hey. Well, maybe because you're the only person who has ever fucking heard of him. Are you kidding me? A you just had to say it's obscure. You know how, do you know how many Star Wars people still are trying to get that a mana? You said it was figure? obscure. Yeah, three of them. <laughs> Emma, did you have one? I did. Um, a ah! Culkin now for aftershave. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Right? Like, now that I fucking know how to use it. This one. <laughs> I think that'd be a great tie-in. No one's Anybody laughing, else? but I believe in myself. Anybody else, guys? Chris? Cam? I got nothing. Yeah, actually, I use my time to teach Joe how to actually argue for Die Hard actually being a Christmas movie, because a Christmas, oh, Christmas movie right. a Christmas done, movie needs to have... Wait, hear me out. No, no. no I'm, look at this is why I'm agreeing with experience. him. I'm agreeing with him, because a Christmas movie needs to have snow. And thanks to Ellis's cocaine problem, Die Hard does. Well, so that, but that was also the, the 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 paper, the bond paper at the very end of the movie. Uh, that was the whole point of that, uh, for it to come down to it looks like snow. That's why they didn't use actual cash. That was part of the. That was part of what was written in. That's the exact reason why it wasn't cash. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in to today's well, Die Hard DVD commentary. We have hour to discuss this. I think we're just going to end it here. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us, for watching or listening to us. And we'll see you back here again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Bye everyone and stay safe. Have a good night. <laughs> Go Dodgers! <laughs>